0: I'm joined by Marine Corps veteran and Chicago Bunker Labs ambassador, Patrick Stanzak, founder and CEO of Geek Heroes, a digital marketing agency providing a plethora of services from website and logo design to SEO support and beyond. I met Patrick a few years ago online, and we finally had a chance to catch up in person at the Bunker Labs ambassador fly-in down in San Antonio, Texas last week. Specifically, I asked Pat to come on the show and talk about his transition from an enlisted Marine to an entrepreneur and leader within the Barker Labs community. Since discovering the bunker, I feel like Patrick has taken the torch and run with it, not only supporting the community through free website audits, but also just being a trusted resource on all things digital marketing. On the show, we talk about his initial transition, what keeps him sticking around, and what he's looking forward to next. Before I jump into my interview with Patrick, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Podcast on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. I can't stress enough how important these reviews are in helping us get the word out about the show. Additionally, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show, feel free to shoot me an email at mike.steadman at or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Steadman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoy today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Patrick, fellow devil dog, welcome to the transition. What's going on, brother?
1: Well, in my world, it's how much just doing, just doing things and, and doing stuff. I've done a, quite a bit over the last, what is it now, six years getting on the Marine Corps. I, I, I like to gauge on how I'm doing? By when I tell people what I do, they say it's a lot, but it's 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 more it's manageable for me, right? Not don't ask for less burden, but for broader shoulders. Atlas shrugged, right? But do, just doing a lot of things, trying to keep up with kind of like how AI is changing uh, the landscape for my industry, making sure I'm incorporating that, making sure I'm telling as many people as I can. Open veteran-owned businesses, still part of Bunker Labs for what now five and a half years or so. You know, volunteering um, and all that kind of stuff. So just, just doing things and stuff, like I said.
0: I beat up Patrick a little bit, y'all, because we just hung out in person down in San Antonio for the Bunker Labs ambassador fly-in. And I told him, I was like, you do not look anything like you do on LinkedIn. And I've been on a couple calls with you, I believe, either for yes. VIR or uh, a workshop or something. But there's nothing like breaking bread in person and getting to see how people are. And uh, you showed up, man. You had the green camo hat on. You had on your green shirt. You looked like a Marine. And I was like, Pat, man, I didn't realize you were a Marine, man. We got to chat. And so I made a habit of trying to get him scheduled for the transition there in person. But I don't know about you, Pat, man, but I'm a little bit of an introvert. And when I'm in a conference room all day and then we socialize in the evening, I just yeah. didn't have it at the end of the night to get that podcast done.
1: No, it's all good. It's like, uh, I'm, a, I'm an ambivert, like right in the middle. I'm like, I, I love being around people every once in a while, but then when I go home, leave me the hell alone. <laughs> yeah, 100%, so, man. I get it. Well,
0: well, I'm glad to have you here. For our listeners who aren't familiar with what you do for The Bonker, both as an ambassador and your business, Geek Heroes, please bring them up to speed.
1: Sure. So I got a company called Geek Heroes. We're about six years old. They're actually just over six years old now. Started in 2017, more as an IT company, and then quickly molded after pretty much taking on one client that was 95% of my business. But I did IT work for her. I did security IT stuff. Then it turned into property management, Airbnb conversions. Got, we got in on the Raiders Stadium deal. We got token Marine character witness in a high profile case here in Chicago. So I got to go to court every day dressed as a Marine, sitting there like all stout. Maybe I should say, but a billionaire tried throwing me out of the courtroom, judge threw him in jail. So that was fun. I got to do a, got to work with one of the guys who created Apple computers. I got to work with him for a little bit. Basically, I was, I, he came in and I was trying to tell him, like, Apple, I was fixing some computer, Apple computers, some Macs. Like, hey, I have an issue with this. I can't. He's like, have you tried this? Yeah, it's not working. He sits down next to me, to do this. Come to find out. He's, he's got a piece of technology in every server in the world and he helped Steve Jobs develop the, the, the MacBooks and all that. Um, good guy to take. 10 companies public, all, all kinds of things. So I had to work with some really nice, cool people right on the Marine Corps and some really, you know, all kinds of things. So then I did accounting. I've done uh, paralegal work. I did uh, all bunch of things in my IT and marketing for all the entities, which were mostly properties and all these kind of things. I'm like, I became a real estate agent. I, man, I, I, I did so many things. I'm like, okay, let's figure out the first year. Let's figure out I did about 150K my first year. And I was like, let's figure out what, what I want to do here. And I quickly burned out and realized that I just wanted to do marketing. And that was the start of it. So next, the second year I made 500 bucks net from 150K, big drop, but I knew that I did not want to work for anyone. I wanted to have my own business and I had made the realization that I was just a, basically a gig worker with one client and that was not a business. And I turned down job offers from SpaceX, Tesla, Microsoft to not work for them, to go do my own thing. And I suddenly just found myself working for someone pretty much like as a job again. And then so I turned it all around, did marketing, really dove deep, found Bunker Labs at the same time. So that was like a real big crossroads for me. Like I made the decision, got to start it uh, with my, my my ambassador, a fellow ambassador for a while, Brian Zielinski. He was also starting his company. And we're like, so we were like grinding every day. We work, figuring this thing out and really set on marketing. Where Right now what we do is web web hosting so we kind of stood that up a little bit of my it background right might as well have it in-house web design and development we'll kind of build on everything but so we do that from like one pagers to very complex sites our most complex sites probably we're doing a radio station over in tennessee right now they have eight radio stations an app and a kids sports team and i'm putting them all together all separate branding under one brand a little complex to to make that all work but that's probably our largest site to date that we've done so it's a big project, and then we do marketing and sales. All right. So what that—that's a lot. The two big ones we like doing is like local businesses help them get find on Google. So when you look them up, you know you can actually find them, and their hours are accurate and things like that, reviews and all that. And then uh, fractional CMO is probably like the most in depth thing we do. It's month to month, no lock and no startup, and we have our longest client two and a half years. So we're doing something right. But really, it's like we have these like mandate. We noticed that animosity was building up with like long-term relationships. So we eliminated that by doing one plus hour working calls each week with every single client to hold them accountable and ourselves, right? Part of that Marine kind of thing in there. Accountability is such a big piece that's overlooked. So we trial and error. We figured it out. With the Bunker community, it also allowed me to do, I think I did 200 plus free audits for the VIR community across the span. As soon as COVID hit, that was my big initiative. I'm like, I'm going to get found. (laughs) wartime general let's go do this for free to get my branding my name out there everything and help as many people as i can you can go look at my reviews on google it's they're they're all they're all pretty pretty awesome mostly free review free audits and everything but it's a lot of these vets that i was able to make such a big impact on just make sure they're going down the right path so bunker and my business i mean they tie in so heavily together it's been wonderful
0: Good for you, man. I, I love hearing that because you do give a lot to the community. I think that's where I found you through the SEO talks. That's where, you know, I remember you you giving workshops on that. And I like the fact that, like, you leaned in during COVID. I mean, I pivoted from boxing. I was doing on-site boxing yeah. classes, and then I had to pivot to virtual. And I was like, I gotta get out of this. And so I got into podcasting. So yeah. I understand um completely. And also your first year. I felt like a loser my first year in entrepreneurship. I remember Looking at my account, I had about $30,000. I was like, I'm a loser. <laughs> I only made $30,000 this year. But I remember a friend of mine, he's a venture capitalist named Paul Capon. He and I did the uh, crash course in venture capital, the little mini series that we did. And I remember him telling me a long time ago, he's like, that's what it is. His first year in business, he took over his family's like yeah. book publishing company. And he made like $30,000 too. And when I was feeling low about myself, I remembered that story. And it's like, oh, man, this is what it means to be an entrepreneur. Because everybody, especially when you're a bootstrapper, right? Everybody thinks it's all sunshine and rainbows. It is a lot of hard work. It's great to have passion, but don't discount, like, fighting tooth and nail just to make something from nothing.
1: Yeah, it also helps if you've, like, succeeded at something else in your life. I've, like, like, figured out a formula for success in life that I kind of apply to everything. So like in high school, I was just crap at sports. Freshman, yeah. s- sophomore, even half my junior year, and then and then I was pretty awesome. And then I was like, I placed in state or like three times after that. I'm like, okay, right, cool. For like a very a variety of things, like pole well, vaulting, wrestling, things like that. And then and uh, then ended up getting like the award for best or second best. Me and my buddy got he got first best athlete. I got second best athlete in my school. All that kind of stuff. And then and then I joined the Marine Corps, and I'm like. How do I apply that same thing? And I kind of loosely did it to try to figure it out. Turns out my slow starts are attributed to foundation building. I never, ever have the upper hand on anyone. I never, like initially, I never, ever have the, like the, the gift, the, the, it comes easy to me. I have to like build it like grinding and uh, they'll, they're going to surpass me for a while. And then my, my like long ass foundation building ends up giving me the ability to then quickly pass them up later. And i found that to be very like relevant. So I, I did it there. And then the Marine Corps, I wasn't so good. And then I became, you know, meritorious and all that kind of stuff two times and, and, and just became so like a good leader, or at least in my eyes and other people have told me that I got a plaque here that that says the same thing. So hopefully, hopefully it's true. I try to live by, you know, what I say. And then so I'm like, okay going into business, let me apply that same formula. And to your point, I remember how hard it was with athletics. I remember how hard it was in the Marine Corps. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready for like a three year grind of just hating and life and everything. And then it starts off with everyone supporting you. And then everyone's telling you why you're going to fail. And it's, and you know, and then, and that part's awesome too. So then I learned, listen to the people who have gotten to the place you want to be. Yep. And then, and then the second part, which is not taught very often, listen to all the negativity around you and all the stories of why you'll fail. Take those stories, dissect them and make sure not to make those mistakes. Take those as lessons. And as soon as I did that, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. And it kind of helped me not like let not let the negativity go. And then as soon as I started making money, all those naysayers turned to, "Oh, I knew you could do it." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'm past that hump." But yeah, it's 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 very difficult and a lot more difficult than people think it's yeah. going to be.
0: I was on the phone with a gym owner today, and he was saying that had he known it would have been this hard, he probably wouldn't have done it. because yeah. you know a lot <laughs> of us in the fitness community, you know, we have this passion for a sport. You know, whether it's a boxing gym or you know weightlifting, et cetera. And we want to open a gym, but until you've experienced the day to day of running your own business, a particularly a low margin like brick and mortar spot is one of them things that's hard to explain until you experience it. Because at first it's all exciting, you're energized about it, but then the grind happens, right? And the honeymoon phase is over, and you're like, "Oh man, this is my new new reality." And he literally told me today, he's like, "Man, I'm living one day at a time." He's like, "I don't even think about you know." Three years or five year plans. He's like, I focus on what I can do today to make the most out of the 24 hours that I have. Yeah. So, before we talk about your military background and what led you to entrepreneurship, we got to get vulnerable. I need you to take off your armor for us and let our listeners know what you're struggling with personally or professionally as a veteran entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I struggled with initially, and then I'll tell you one thing I'm struggling with right now. So, initially, I'm a Marine, I was an overachiever, I was young, and I was, you know, so initially coming out of the Marine Corps, and this seems to be a a problem for a lot of high achievers that end up going into entrepreneurship, I always expected a lot out of people, but when coming into the civilian world, putting really big expectations on people is what I kept doing. I'm like, I expected people to perform and do things, and that's just not fair. And that was a hard thing for me to learn. Uh, initially, I've gotten a lot better at it. Uh, you call it empathy, if you will. But, but so that's one big thing. And then one thing I'm struggling with right now, you know, making sure that I have proper alignment in my life. I, I know my, la- like my lateral limits and I'm staying within them. And that all leads back from doing this obituary thing I did a while ago, which I recommend everyone doing, right? Write your obituary. Figure out what you want in it, which for me is, hey, I want to have a great family, a big family. I want to be known as a family man. I want to make sure uh, that I don't forget where I came from. I want to make sure that I'm known as the person who helps everyone and anyone like all the time. Like that's who I am through and through. I'm a Marine. I never forget veterans just in general, always helping the veteran community. I want to make an impact in the world, impact in the animal community, because I love animals. My wife does too. I want to make sure that I did not just have a happy life, but a fulfilled life, which means happiness, sadness, mad, anger, all the good things, all the bad things. I want to experience life. And then, if you die tomorrow, is that all true? And so, for me, it took a while, but it is true. If I die tomorrow, I think my obituary will say those things for the people that do know me. And so, once I did that, it helped me realize that I can call bullshit on myself and make sure that I'm staying in my lane, say no to things, because I've I've been on boards of too many things I shouldn't have been. I've taken too many things on that I shouldn't have. I've joined too many organizations to try to save them, which I shouldn't have. And so that's a big, like shiny, you know, shiny thing, squirrel syndrome, whatever. that That's my biggest weakness. That's really, I just get involved in just way too many things. It's hard to say, no, I have another one that I want to do. And I'm like, it just makes sense. I have to learn. I have to really learn that old Marine Corps things, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I have to live by that as much as I can. Like I I have to relearn it and like fully, fully grasp and understand it. I really struggle with that. So I just, I keep taking on too many things. And I also tend to be long winded, you know, noticed uh, about with people when I try to help them. I give them a half hour of my time, and it ends up being an hour and a half or two hours because I'm not done helping them. Uh, so I got to gotta figure that part out. And maybe I don't. Maybe that's just who I am.
0: I think it's just who you are, man. And you ain't got to worry about that here because you're in a safe space. This is our podcast, you know. I yeah. get to host it, but this is for the community, right? And uh, I like to, you know, that's why I kind of like this long-form content, this audio, because we could talk about real stuff. I want to touch on two things that you talked about. Number one, expectations for others. Literally just listened to an interview with Nick Saban, uh, okay. who's the head coach for yeah. Alabama. And he was talking about sports psychology and how he has these sports psychologists and a team of like professionals work on his his team, you know, mental, sure. mentally. And he talked about how, like, not a lot of people are actually trying to be the best. You assume because someone plays on a team like Alabama that they're trying to be the best running back or defensive end that they can be. No, man, yeah. they're just doing the bare minimum. They just happen to be yeah. talented. And I think what you were talking about before of like putting these other expectations on people, we come from this environment where, especially if you're a Marine, you know, this higher purpose, right? There's any branch of service you could have gone to. And we chose the fucking, what did we call it? The baked chicken dinner. Everybody else is yeah. a gourmet meal. We're like the baked chicken dinner on the side of the road that got run over, right? And we get the cheapest equipment. We get all this basic stuff, and yet we still choose to want to be Marines because we want to push ourselves, right? Again, that's not a lot of people out there. And I I, I poke fun at the military, but we are a small percentage of the overall U.S. population. So people don't come from these backgrounds that we do, and some of them are just trying to make it. They're just trying to get through the day-to-day, do the bare minimum. And so you know, when you have these unrealistic expectations, particularly when you try and lead them, you can set yourself up for failure. So that's one insight. The other thing I want to talk about was you mentioned before about networking, you know, and really kind of leaning into the bunker and but also like sometimes finding yourself doing too much. Right. Whether it's helping this nonprofit out, joining this group over here. I completely relate to that. And it you know, I'll take off my armor. I'm guilty of that as well. And it causes this like never ending migraine kind of just because you feel like you can never get ahead. You know, you get one thing done, but you've got all this, you're dropping balls over here. And so I like this idea of slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And I think I actually need to make that a podcast episode of just like keeping the main thing, the main thing, slowing down, not packing your schedule with things just because, you know, you don't know what to do with your hands, right? This idea of like an empty calendar scares you because I think a lot of us, you know, it ebbs and flows for sure. Sometimes you're crushing it. Yeah. You're, you know, you're. You're, you got a bunch of different things going and they're all sticking at the same time. But when you're out of whack, sometimes it just feels so overwhelming. And my goal these days is consistency. So hearing you say slow and smooth, smooth is fast. That's how you main a certain level of consistency.
1: The more I learn, the more it just goes back to the basics and the foundation. And a lot of the foundation stuff, like the Marine Corps teaches some of the most basic, basic foundation stuff. And we have it ingrained in this already. Might as well just lean into it, right?
0: So take us back. How did you transition out of the military? What was that experience like for you? And how did you find your way to entrepreneurship?
1: Sure. I think it's probably from talking with so many different people, I think I've had the smoothest transition out of anyone that I've ever met. So I'm fortunate. But the one thing I did do is I just listened to the old guys who've been there, done that, wish they had done this, wish they had done that. So Again, listening to the ones that were successful at it and listening to the ones who wish they had done these things. And I actually took that pretty much from the jump, even before I joined the Marine Corps. So I was born in Poland, Warsaw. Um, my parents basically won the green card lottery to come here. So it's, it's an actual like lottery system. We came here. Basically, my parents sold their thing. They had like businesses, HVAC and all that, which none of it mattered when they came to America. They didn't even know English. So they came here. We basically lived in a basement for a couple of years with no hot water. And then we went to like, and then finally went to like a a better place. My dad worked like 12 hour plus jobs as much as he can and all those kind of things, right? Then my mom started working a little bit too. And then from there, it kind of went into fast forward past high school to college. I went to college for about a year right after high school for like engineering, community college. And what ended up happening is my dad was working he still didn't speak he still doesn't speak english very well my mom does better for sure but so so they basically gave up their whole life then my dad is working in the straight up hood in chicago like I'm, i've been there okay 20 foot fences guard dogs machine guns going off like it's, it's real so on uh, 75th MLK, if anyone's wondering so basically he worked there in a machine shop like he's machinist smog getting in his face comes home black every day like terrible terrible conditions Seven days a week, 12 hours a day with an hour to an hour and a half commute. Terrible. For 10 years, he did that exact job. Terrible. The pay was the highest, so he was doing it. He had me and then my sister to put through college. So even community college, right? It's, it's, it's hard. Without English and all that. Although he's like one of the best at that and all that. Still, it doesn't pay as much, right? So, so he was doing that while I was going to college three days a week, doing a personal training thing. A few hours a week, getting a couple hundred dollars to pay for stuff I want and then chilling and kicking it and just working out. I felt so freaking guilty that I'm like, I can't I can't do this while this man's doing this for me. So so I so then I decided, hey, I'm going to talk it through with my parents. And so this is where it leads back to what you were saying, or you were asking. So basically, like we thought through it, like, hey, what is the best scenario, best thing for me? These benefits, these other things, they seem to be really good. We're not very fortunate. We don't have a ton of money. So like this might be the best option. Now, what's the best way of approaching it? I got to speak with some recruiters. They all basically said the truth. It turns out it's it's shit. It's good. It's bad. It's, It's what you make of it kind of thing. But I spoke to one and I'm like, if you were to do it again, what job would you choose? What job would you choose? What job? And they're like, if you want to go infantry, don't. Go do a smart job, go do like an intelligence job if you can have a high ASVAP score, and then go special forces. Because they, they, they asked me, like, what? Like, I didn't want to do infantry, but they're just asking people, like, do you want to do infantry? Why, why do you want to do it? Oh, I want to I see action. Well, the climate place we're in right now, you're not going to see action as infantry. You're going to have higher chances as special forces. In order to do that, the best way to do it is to go into a tech, like a more techie kind of job. So then you have more opportunity to go do and pursue special forces. And then if you still choose to do it after you've been in, then you'll be able to go down that route and see that. I'm like, okay, cool. That makes sense. So what job should I choose? And I I did 2,800 just electronics maintenance. So then I'm like, cool, let's go into that. And I scored a high highest best score. I gave my demands. I'm like, recruiters, I scored like the highest out of everybody here. You got to get me in like in the next three months or I'm not going. And they're like, okay, cool. We'll get you. And they moved some people around and I got in. And, you know, unfortunately they didn't, uh, they didn't count my college credits, uh, because I had to kick out and then they said I was going to leave early. So I had to leave early and then ends up, we not leaving for another two weeks. So I could have finished and I could have been a higher rank right off the bat and all that, but I started as a private cool, cool enough. So then I I go to the Marine Corps, do all that stuff. I did electronics in there. And then, and then I was always like looking to get the most out of it. I listened to people. So I, I always went to the you know, to 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 uh, medical for anything I needed, I always went to this thing. I always tried. I was always like athletic, all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, what what job do I want to do afterwards? Do I want to stay in? Do I want to go to the field I'm in, or do I want to go into like software or something? And uh, and I, I always looked at ceilings and potential as well. So in electronics, the potential after working ten years in electronics, you might make 150k. Whereas software, you could pretty much in the first five years make 150k pretty easily. So I'm like. Just looking at that, the cap for electronics, which I already had five years experience in versus something else, seemed to be like it just didn't make sense long term. And I'm like, I want to think long term. Too many people think short term. So I want to make sure to think long term and short term. And so I I kept looking for things and I came across Skillbridge. No one had done it on my base in Yuma, Arizona yet. And so you have to be within a six-month window. You have to get a whole bunch of things signed off. And I found this core, this Microsoft Software Systems Academy, which I went through. I got my, I helped my buddy get into it first. So he was the first one in Yuma. And then, and then us two would come next after him. Right after, I had to get an extension signed for three months. So I was in for five years, three months in order to do that program, which you probably shouldn't have signed, but yay me. So I got to go through the program. So I knew nothing about software stuff. I had a little electronics, a tiny bit of software, but nothing to do with Microsoft or anything at all. So I had to get a, I had, I had to get this cert before I even got to apply for the class. So I had to learn like networking stuff. Then I got into the course, got selected. And then, so it was five months of civilian attire, all ranks. No one cared about rank. rank was dropped before you went in there and everyone was called by their first names only. And so automatically I had gunnies, master sergeants, uh, other branch people, all in one class in civilian attire. Dressed nice, talking to each other by first names, kicking it with each other, everything while in the Marine Corps. So I was in Yuma. This course was in Pendleton. So for five months, my command didn't call me in. My command didn't do anything. I also had a great command. But I, I got to do all that stuff with zero, zero, like, issues. And, and so I got to do that for five months. Each half of each day was learning, self-paced, really where it was like learning IT stuff. So I got like four years with the certs in four months. I got 33 credits from a university accredited in in that amount of time as well. And the second half of each day was Microsoft doing professional development, eliminating jargon, eliminate generalizing and applying to a resume, applying that to a uh, applying that to your interview stuff. (laughs) been talking like that all the time and then hooking us up with a bunch of interviews and things like that. So like SpaceX, Tesla were my, like my kind of ways I went aside from the class to get those, but at Microsoft, Fa- Facebook's Instagram, Amazon and P and a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, I got to do interviews with, with all the skills that I was getting certs for me and my staff sergeant that came with me, we graduated like top of the class with, with another guy. So it was like us three and uh, it, it, was, it was a really cool experience. And then when I got out, I'm like, well, I had like a great, great time. I think I'm going to be good. I have great backup plans, which I turned down to start my own thing. And I took a month off, you know, trying to grow a beard, which I can't. And then decided, let's just incorporate and see where this goes. I had the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial it, itch the whole time. So real quick on that. I was uh, in 29 Palms for school for a year. I got roped into an affiliate program, which now I know was an affiliate program for $1,500, which is a private in 29 Palms (laughs) with no money. That is a terrible, terrible thing. I think I made like two or $3 total. Yeah, wouldn't recommend it, but I didn't know anything. So I got sold. I'm like, okay, I need to do something and this is my thing. Okay, cool. That didn't work out. When I got to my duty station in Yuma, Arizona, I got roped in by a, I think, a staff sergeant at the time, which I'm like, oh, no, our sergeant, I think. And 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 he got us into Vima or something like that. I think it was like a multi MLM. And I'm like, oh, cool. This is cool. I didn't know anything about MLMs at the time. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Let's do it. Boom, boom, boom. Made my money back and got a, a whole bunch of free product. I'm like, cool. I'm not doing this. I don't like this. This is MLM. This is a pyramid scheme. Let's get out of this. And then so that was my like second attempt. Read everything I can about like real estate stuff while I was in. And then my first year out of the Marine Corps, I'm like, I don't know anything about finance, but I need financial freedom because it's part of my goals. So I write 50 books on everything I can the first, every finance thing I can the first year, about a hundred books next two years after that each year. And then just, I took, I tried to take meetings with any person that would meet with me, which turns out not a lot of high level people turn down meetings with veterans. So I got a lot of free lunches, a lot of free dinners, things like that. I got the, like the things I was learning. I got to poke people's brains, learn all that stuff. I could I could talk more and more, but so I got the, the formal kind of thing. And then my entrepreneurial journey has always kind of been there. And one thing I listened to is they said uh, a lot of people, again, a lot of people that were successful and had businesses, which is where I wanted to get to, said, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I had done this right out of the Marine Corps. And so I'm like, why don't I just listen to them? And then so I just gave it a go again, listening to the people who have done there or have failed right and i'm like well, i'm just going to take that leap almost like blind faith and i'm just going to do it and i'm still doing it 6 years later great i'm you know super happy i did it that way i've definitely experienced different growing pains than people who went to corporate america with a formal structure learned things then left whereas i didn't have the formal structure and i had to kind of learn it all like you know grinding and then putting formal formalities to it it's a little bit different but same thing. We're all in the entrepreneurial journey together. But that's that was my transition. Definitely went through some lulls. I burnt out there after the first year and had to reevaluate. A lot of paradigm shifts. A little bit of you know what do they call it? The, like world outlook kind of crisis. I forgot what that word is. But um.
0: I call it seasons of life. Right. So yeah, yeah. First command. You're in the hustler season. Right. So you're like doing whatever they ask you. If you run a restaurant, you're making pizza. You know, yeah. egg sandwiches, freaking Thai food, whatever. You know, because you got to figure it out. It's just what you're in. But like you said, you only got three years of doing that. After a while, you're like, okay, I I can't be everything to everyone now. I need to kind of mature in my little entrepreneurial journey or my transition journey as well. So I appreciate you sharing some insights on that. Now, one thing I would love you to talk about is how did you get connected with Bunker? And specifically, I'm interested in the fact that like you were an enlisted Marine. And You know, early on, bunker was very, very officer heavy. Yeah. You see a lot of blazers and you know, button downs and it can intimidate a certain type of crowd. But over the years, I've seen it become more and more, you know, I didn't want to use the word inclusive, but I just think more and more people actually finding out about it. And you leaned in. I mean, you became a leader almost right away. So I would be curious to learn about that.
1: Cool. So even in the Marine Corps, on my off time, I was helping train people constantly. So I also have like I think four or five personal training certs and I'm a nutritionist. I did did that on the side for a little bit. Like in the Marine Corps, I had all that stuff. I was getting it right. And so I always help people in my free time just with personal training stuff, with growth life stuff, with whatever. So I always dedicate my time while I was in. So as soon as I got out and I had more free time, it was just natural to help vets. And since I went through that course, a lot of my fellow peers from my MLS didn't have it. I would give out my resume. Help them craft it themselves, but it ended up them just kind of taking it as is and getting hired somewhere, which is great. I'm super happy for them. And I would take the time. I have a folder with like 50 mentees I have throughout the years. They're all vets and things like that. I'm just like, I always gave back. Then I had this, I'm known for lists. So, like in the Marine Corps, they, for my plaque, they made a list for me as <laughs> my going away thing yeah. because they're like, we need a roster
0: Hey, we need a raster hey, yeah. over here. Give me all, we need a raster for the Marines.
1: So, so, yes, the, the man with the lists, I think that's what it says. Yeah, the man with the plan, well, if you could find the right notebook. Yeah, there it is. So So, basically, you know, I was like that, and I'm like, okay, I have more free time now. I'm going to basically help as many people as I can. So, I made this big reference thing while I was in the Marine Corps of every resource that I could possibly think of, okay? It was like 10 pages, 11 pages long. I was giving this out to my Marines when I got out and I started this, this thing up, I, 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 I gave this thing. So this happened around the same time as when I found out about Bunker. So my partner at the time, we were basically partnered for just like a month or so, a couple months. And then we kind of like, he didn't really need it. He wanted his job and all that kind of stuff. But basically he was living in Atlanta, Georgia. He's originally from Wisconsin and Appleton, but he was living in Georgia, just Atlanta. He just wanted to move right on the Marine Corps and try a new city. So he went there and he went to the grand opening of what was called Bunker Labs. And he's like, hey, you should check this thing out. It's in Chicago and they're just opening a new chapter here in Atlanta. And I'm like, OK, I'll go check it out. And I looked it up. The meetings, like, I think it was that day or the next day or something. I'm like, oh, I'm not missing this. And I went. My first meeting, Patrick Murphy, the secretary of the Army, was there. Todd Connor was there. The other, there was another Todd from William Blair that was there. And a whole bunch of these big, higher, bigwig people. And it was a great event. It was at William Blair, which is a big, like a funding kind of company. They're they're a private company that that, that does like, they do a lot of big stuff like Netflix and, and Uber and stuff like that. And uh, so that was really cool. And I'm like, this is awesome. Where has this been? Chicago is amazing. And I'm like, this is, I feel like a grown up now in the corporate world. I'm like, I get to meet all these people that I never got to meet. It's like kind of like meeting all generals, even higher than generals, really. Right. Secretary of the Army is pretty cool to me and just kick it with him. And that was my first experience. I'm like, I need to be involved. I need to help. I'm going to be at every single meeting they have. I think the next one was at Google and there was 350 people. It was like a big countrywide one where they flew everyone in. And again, Todd was there with open arms. Everyone was there. And I'm just, like, these, are, these are great people. These are my people. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a veteran. And that's what this is. This is amazing. And that's really where the core like really dug into me. Like this is this is just something I want. Then uh, basically how I got involved is uh, this reference thing I was talking about. I posted it on LinkedIn and it went viral. Like I had 100,000 impressions pretty quickly. I had I think 10,000 plus likes, uh, a couple thousand reshares. Then one person, big person reshared mine and then she got Another 100,000 or a million, I think it was like a million impressions, 100,000 likes or something like that. I think that's what it was, 100,000 likes. She also got the same amount, a whole bunch of reshares. It was, it was to the point where the CTO of Bunker Labs, which, which I, I was friends with at the time, he was traveling on a trip to Dallas, Texas from Chicago because he lived in Chicago. And he called me after his flight. <clears throat> he said he sat down next to this woman and she was a vet and part of like a nonprofit. And he was ch- talking with her, and and then she says, "Hey, have you heard of this reference thing that's been going around?" And she pulls out a piece of paper with my name at the bottom and hands it to him, to Will Wooden Crane, and and he hands it to him, and she and then he calls me after. He's like, "Dude, this girl just gave me your paper." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. I've made an impact somehow in the veteran community." At the same time, I was getting an It Bunker Labs thing. Todd Connor, or somebody said, "Go, go, apply. We're about to do a, a volunteer." chapter like chicago chapter kind of volunteers to run it i'm like i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm gonna go for it and event planning i don't know how to do that right all that because that's what it was at the time and i'm like let me go try it bunker bruise let's do it and then i applied hark harold interviewed me or he was like one of the last ones to interview me and i think he saw something in me or or whatever and he's like yeah you're in you're gonna be a chicago rep and uh, little did I know I was going to be the uh, only one for about two years for a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, yeah. The two people that were there pretty much left right away. I'm like, okay, I got this, guys. I've been to one or two. I can do this now. So I got to figure that out. Then over the years, I've been the only consistent in Chicago. We've had probably like six or so other ones, but I've been the single person for probably three or four of those years if you like put it together. But that that was kind of my journey in by happenstance, really.
0: Yeah. You know, I just want to reach more of our community in general, whether officer enlisted, et cetera. And I think your story shares a lot of insight because, you know, some of these rooms can be a little bit intimidating. Like you said, yeah. like you walk in, you know, people don't have that. And we're not corporate America by any means, but people dress no. up, right? Because people don't know. A bunch of vets don't know. They're like, oh, we're going to this business event at Google. Let's throw on a blazer and a button down, yeah, etc. cetera. Yeah. And then if you're a Lance Corporal Smuckatelli. Right. And you just see some random event online. You show up. You got your baseball cap, you know, maybe some cowboy boots or something. Yeah. At least That's how they dress down south. And it's like, oh, is this really my tribe? And my answer to you is yes. Yeah. Right. It is your tribe and it's open for everyone. And it's great that not only you came in, but you're also kind of paving the way for others by being a leader. I was a city leader for a long time and it was very, very hard. It got serious once I quit my full time job and go all in. And that's where the balance comes of like, you know, people's priorities change. I talked about before, like seasons of life, you know, people start having kids. Right. And then it's like, oh, you know, you got to be at home, take care of the family while also growing your business and still having dedicated time to nurture this community. But it can be a lot. But this is why I think ambassadors like yourself are super important to the health of this ecosystem, because without ambassadors, we can't get the word out about the bunker.
1: Yeah, I will say one thing on the Seasons of Life thing, like it's such a real thing. To mitigate pitfalls during the changes of the seasons, in my opinion, I think it's very important to have a very, very strong foundation because it will be challenged during those seasons, as well as making sure you're oriented, you're, you're heading towards true north, which is, again, why I think that obituary thing is so, so important. Because if you have that obituary thing right now, you have your true north. And then you've set a solid foundation. Everything you're doing is foundation-driven. Things can come at you. And when it's time to do the simple things right, like it is right now in our economy, it could be even more so for the next couple of years, right? It's, 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 it's going to test those things. And as long as you're, you have everything like set up properly, you've checked yourself, you have, have others check you, then, then you'll be good.
0: So as somebody that runs a marketing agency, right, and you work with clients, you build websites, et cetera, what has been the best growth channel for you and your own business? Because I know one of the challenges that a lot of our listeners have is actually getting clients. And so from yeah. your perspective, I'm just curious to know what's been most effective for your business.
1: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. For the most part, I've been, it's going to be referrals and catching people at the right times. And that's really what it is. I think if they say like four, four to 7% of people are ready to buy now, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you rely on that. Like, cool. You You can make a business out of it, but... You want to do other things, that's kind of where marketing and sales strategies and actual setup comes into play. Having a CRM that if you can answer the question to, did you work today? Yes. Did you have your CRM open? If the answer is no, then the CRM is not good enough for you to have it open all the time. It doesn't matter what its capabilities are. The best CRM is the one that you use, right, on a daily basis. So it's got to have, it's got to have that. So CRMs are kind of important. I mean, basically, as as I did mark, marketing all these other things, it turns out that most people want to do marketing just for sales. And I'm like, okay, oh yeah, it makes sense. So basically, you know, my training of thought stems from the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps, or the other branches, it, infantry is the goal. Like that is it. everything else is support. So marketing is support to sales. Sales is infantry, everything else is support. And, it, you know, approaching it that way and just structuring it that way right off the get go, I think puts people at ease because it's like I'm, I'm marketing to help you sell more and sell through more, right? Like I'm, I'm not marketing just so people see your stuff. I don't care about that. If you want to do that, give me, you know, give me $10,000 and I'll just put it on ads just so people could see your stuff, not buy it. People don't run ads just for people to see your stuff unless you're a giant company. And it's part of a bigger strategy. It's 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 to sell. Like selling, 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 you know, so, so yeah, I kind of forgot the original question this time around, but basically that that's always been kind of my approach. It's like the marketing and sales and I'm doing it all together.
0: I'm actually going to record a podcast on that for uh, dog whistle, Brandon, but my other podcast, because, you know, I tell people marketing preps the battlefield for the sales. So I'm an infantryman, right? And you always got to have suppression. Can't just be running in doing attack without that support and fire. But people don't do enough grunt work on the sales aspect of kicking up dirt, having dedicated lead gen time. So you've got two marketers on here, and we're telling you that, like, for a lot of you that are listening, you know, trying to get your business off the ground, maybe you're trying to reach a new stage of growth, you still got to do some mechanical aspects of sales, right? Shaking hands, kissing babies, right? It's a very active thing. I know people are trying to sell this, like, automation, and you just sit back and the leads roll in. But, man, everybody I know that drives revenue, man, they're working it. They are yeah. working it.
1: Like, here, I'll put it this way. I can get you 125,000 cold leads right now. They're verified emails and phone numbers. Then what's going to happen? You're going to have a paradigm shift. Oh, shit, I'm now looking for more clients now. Now I have to call them, and now you're going to freeze, and you're not going to do anything. You could always get more sales by just putting in the hard work, right? It's that, and also, you mentioned two things, marketing and sales, which I mentioned, and you're saying that. I think to what you were saying, there's a third component this is the alex formosey thing if you follow him the value okay so yeah. if you have really really strong value it's pretty much going to sell itself if you have really okay so let, let's do this if you have an amazing salesperson which is the bottom of the rung if you have an amazing salesperson, basically you'll be able to sell pretty much anything ice to an eskimo but you don't want to sell ice to an eskimo it doesn't make any sense right so but but that person's good enough to do that empires were built there, there have been empires built on just salespeople. Like that is a thing, but that's, that's hard to scale. That's almost impossible to find. Like don't, don't go in for that, okay? The second thing is if you're really, really, really good at marketing something, you can have mediocre salespeople and you're still going to sell it. If you have terrible salespeople, even they're going to sell something and you have really good salespeople tied with really good marketing, that's amazing combo, right? A, a great example of this is milk in the 90s, right? Like, it's not like milk's changed or anything different, but the marketing was really, really big. And so everybody's drinking a ton, a ton of milk. It was like, you know, Michael Phelps, all that. Another one, Peloton. I I also run a, I also have a commercial gym equipment company, American Fitness Outlet. But I know, so I know the difference between like a crappy and a good treadmill and all that. Peloton is a very mediocre treadmill, if not a bad treadmill, but the marketing's so amazing that everybody buys it. And there's a little more to it, which is the value component. So, so the value is, is this. If you're outside of Walmart in the middle of COVID with a truckload of toilet paper and Walmart sold out of toilet paper, how easy is it to sell that toilet paper? The value is so high that everyone will just buy from you. You don't need to do any marketing or any sales. And so that's proof If the value is high if the value is so good that someone would be have to be stupid to say no. That's what you ultimately wanna do. Cause then you could have Virtually no marketing and no sales, and people are going to buy. So value comes first. Value is that big foundation. If your value is not there, if you're a commodity, you're like everybody else, it doesn't matter. There's the value formula on Alex Formozzi's uh, site. You can look it all up and everything. But, but the, the value, if that's really high, you have a little bit of marketing and mediocre salespeople, you're going to sell a lot. Just because the value is so high. So I think that's the third component to kind of what we are just talking about.
0: And I'm going to add a word to it, perceived value, because the eyes is in the beholder. So whoever your perfect customer is, they have to perceive that the value of your product or service is 10, if not 100x, of what they're paying for it. And that's how you get that, hell yeah.
1: Yeah, so here's the value formula. So you have the top. If you increase any of these two, your value goes up. So one is dream outcome. It's like, how grandiose is this? If I join your gym, I'm going to become fricking Mike Tyson tomorrow or instantly, right? Like tomorrow, whatever. And I'm going to be the best fighter in the world. And it's going to be amazing or whatever I want to do, right? Whatever my dream outcome is. The second thing is what you just said, perceived likelihood of achievement. That's the second part. Even though the dream is grandiose, what are all the merits and things that make it, make me think that it's possible of actually achieving it. So you, that's a multiplication between that. There's a big division, right? Right below those two. And then these two, if you lower these two, the value also increases, right? Sorry, just how like formulas work. So the bottom one is time. How quickly can this happen? If I sign up as soon as I sign the dotted line and hand you the cash, it's done. That would be the lowest you can go, right? So how quickly can you do it? And the next thing is that's multiplied by effort and sacrifice. Oh, how many meetings am I going to have to have with you? How much work am I going to have to do on my end? How much this am I going to have to do and all that? And if you can lower that to as little as possible, that also increases value. So those are the four components of the value formula. And you can do any of those four to increase the value. And so it's, it's kind of cool looking at it that way because you can really dissect your packages.
0: Well, Patrick, man, it's been a pleasure to finally get you on this platform to chop it up a little bit. You've given us so much value and your time. You've got a community of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses tuning in from all over the country all over the world. How can we help support you and your business geek heroes?
1: Yeah. So I'm still offering free SEO edits. So anybody wants that please come uh, to me and I'll give you a ton of value and time. You can check out my YouTube, which is AI for everything business. I am also an AI authority. I've yet to meet someone who knows more about generative AI than I do. So yay. I'm doing that. I'm putting on YouTube videos, give me ideas on what videos you'd like to see and I will make those. So and, and it's about marketing, sales, any part of com- any component of business, honestly. It's AI for everything business. You can go to my website to check out some of my products. Contact me at Patrick Stanzek. like you see my name, at geekheroes.com. And uh, yeah, if you're Chicago area and you're a vet or a vet spouse, contact me and I will hook you up with the Bunker Lab stuff. Come to our events, support us how you will, and all those sort of things. That's, that's pretty much it.
0: Well, we appreciate you, man. And I'll be sure to include a link to your website in the show notes. For all our listeners, I need you to do two things for me. Number one, please leave us a review on iTunes. We want to spread the word about this amazing platform that we're providing, sharing stories like Patrick's for all you out there. So if you can leave us a review on iTunes, I'd greatly appreciate it. And number two, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on this show, just shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.